Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Bombardier fourth quarter and full year 2020 earnings conference call. Please be advised that this call is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the discussion over to Mr. Patrick Gauche, Vice President Investor Relations for Bombardier. Please go ahead, Mr. Gauche. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Bombardier's earnings call for the fourth quarter and full year ended December 31st, 2020. I wish to remind you that during the course of this call, we may make projections or other forward-looking statements regarding future events or the financial performance of the corporation. There are risks that actual events or results may differ materially from these statements. For additional information on forward-looking statements and underlying assumptions, please refer to the MDNA. I'm making this cautionary statement on behalf of each speaker on this call. With me today is our President and Chief Executive Officer, Eric Martel, and our Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, Bart Damoski, to review our operations and financial results for the fourth quarter and year ended December 31st, 2020. I would now like to turn over the discussion to Eric. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us uh, today. Let me start this morning with a few general comments about the past year. Clearly, 2020 was one of the most difficult periods for our company, for our industry, and for all of us individually. At Bombardier, the year will be remembered for the challenges it brought, but even more so for how our employee roles to meet those challenges. At the onset of the pandemic, our team acted swiftly to protect the health and safety of our employees, to support government mandates to slow the spread of the virus, and to support our customer to the best of our ability. As the crisis spread, our people took immediate steps to reduce costs, preserve cash, and improve liquidity. After absorbing the initial impact, we moved quickly to reset our production rates and global supply chain to align with the new market condition and customer requirements. This was a massive undertaking that would not have been possible without the commitment and hard work of many people across our company. And I want to use this opportunity to recognize and thank them all. The past year was also a period of transformation from Bombardier. As we worked through the crisis to complete our strategic repositioning to a pure play business aviation company. Again, this was another huge undertaking. Amid a global pandemic, we successfully closed three of the largest industrial transactions of the year. The sale of our regional aircraft program to MHI, the sale of our aerostructure business to Spirit, and the sale of our rail business to Alstom. Completing three large transactions under the conditions we experienced in 2020 is a real testament to the skill and commitment of our people. With these transactions behind us, we are now entirely focused on designing, building, and servicing the world's best business jet. So I'll focus my remark this morning on the business aviation market outlook and the step we're taking to increase profitability and cash generation as we continue to navigate the pandemic and prepare for an eventual recovery. As a starting point, we begin our journey with a solid foundation to build upon. We have a non-matched product portfolio, a world-class customer service network, and incredibly talented employees. And hopefully, the worst of the pandemic is moving behind us with the global deployment of a vaccine now underway. We are further encouraged by the momentum we saw in Q4. As you saw, in our press release this morning, we ended 2020 with 44 deliveries, including a record 16 global 7,500. 
Cash generation was also strong at $523 million for aviation, which was ahead of plan. And an order activity remained healthy with 43 gross order in the quarter. Key market indicators are also encouraging. Use inventory levels are coming down and pricing is trending in the right direction. And if there is a silver lining to the pandemic, it is the attention it brought to the NN safety private air travel provides and the new customer it brought to our industry. Of course, we are carefully looking at how these newcomers to private air travel will shape and drive demand when business and long-range travel fully recover. Notwithstanding the positive momentum we are seeing, it remains very difficult to predict the timeline to a, fully, to a full market recovery, which will not happen until borders reopen and international travel restrictions are lifted. Assuming no major setback on vaccine deployment, we estimate it will likely take a few years for the industry to return to 2019 delivery level. Given this outlook, we think it is best to be conservative in our planning, which is reflected in our 2021 guidance as we see 2021 to be a transition year. For this year, we expect to see deliveries roughly in line with 2020. Modest revenue growth, but incremental year-over-year improvement in EBITDA and free cash flow generation. But the real story for Bombardier this year is our return to profitability and the company-wide initiative we're taking to transform the way we operate, to drive productivity and efficiency, ensuring that we are profitable in the current market condition and prepared to scale up at lower cost basis, at a lower cost basis, when the market recovers. With our disclosure this morning, we announced a number of specific action with more to come. Collectively, we aim to generate $400 million in recurring savings by 2023. Specific action include consolidating our global aircraft completion work in Montreal, reviewing options for our underutilized industrial space, and reducing our workforce by approximately 1,600 positions, bringing our global workforce to about 13,000 people by year-end. Of course, headcount reduction are always very difficult. We regret seeing talented and dedicated employees leave the company for any reason. But these reductions are absolutely necessary for us to rebuild our company while we continue to navigate through the pandemic. We've also made the difficult decision to end the production of Learjet this year. Again, this is a decision we did not take lightly. With more than 3,000 aircraft delivered since its entry into service in 1963, the iconic Learjet has had a remarkable and lasting impact on business aviation. Pilots and passengers all over the world love to fly this great aircraft and count on its unmatched performance and reliability. However, given the number of new entrants in the light jet segment and the challenging market dynamic, we need to focus our future efforts on our more profitable global and challenger aircraft families. Of course, we will continue to fully support the Learjet fleet well into the future. Highlighting this, this commitment today, we announced the launch of the Learjet Racer remanufacturing program for the Learjet 40 and the Learjet 45 aircraft. The Racer remanufacturing program includes a bundled set of enhancements including interior and exterior component, new avionic, high-speed connectivity, engine enhancement, and improved aircraft maintenance costs. Even though we're winding down Learjet production, Bombardier's Wichita facility will continue to serve as the company primary flight test center and be key part of its global service network. We've also designated Wichita as the center of excellence for our specialized aircraft business and expect the facility 
will play a leading role in the design and manufacture of future special mission contracts. Beyond the action we're taking to drive profitability in the coming years, we're focused on three things. First, in addressing our capital structure through debt reduction. With all our divestiture now complete, we're finalizing our debt management strategy and look forward to sharing the detail with you shortly. Second is growing our services business with the additional capacity we're bringing online with our major expansion project in Singapore, London, Melbourne, and Miami will be well positioned for significant growth as the pandemic subsides. And finally, we'll continue building and reinforce a winning culture to become an organization that is truly people and customer centric, that value performance, operational excellence, and team spirit. A company that is transparent and authentic at all times and at every level. At our upcoming investor day, we'll talk in more detail about each of these three areas and how we view 2021 as a transition year as we execute on our productivity actions, further mature the global 7500 production, and begin to address our capital structure. But for now, let me stop here and turn it over to Bart to discuss the detail of our fourth quarter result and our 2021 guidance. Thank you, Eric, and good morning, everyone. Uh, let me start this morning by saying that I am honored and excited to join Bombardier at this point in its journey. And I look forward to working with Eric and the entire leadership team to achieve the vision and the goals that Eric has described. With all our divestitures now complete and the company strategically repositioned, we now look forward to a period of stability to focus our attentions on our operations and our capital structure. As a starting point, with the $3.6 billion in proceeds generated from the sale of BT, I see an opportunity to start healing our balance sheet, <clears throat> while at the same time, we expect to, pardon me, just a moment, please, while at the same time, positioning the company for a better long-term future. The restructuring actions we announced this morning are a first step in that process. They will eventually make our business stronger, more profitable, and importantly, cash generative. I know a lot hinges on our capital structure, and I believe that with significant cash on hand and more to come as we monetize shares in Alston, we have options. Since I joined in December, I've been looking at ways to optimize cash deployment and to reduce debt. At this point, I can tell you that we will be prudent, disciplined, and methodical in our deployment, perhaps even conservative, recognizing that the business needs time to reach its full potential and the path to a full economic recovery from the pandemic is still uncertain. While we expect to finalize our cash deployment strategy in the coming weeks and to share it with you at our upcoming investor day, we took a first step this past week towards repaying half of the $750 million drawn on the $1 billion secured facility and associated fees. This repayment is required upon the sale of BT and represents a good use of our capital given the high cost of that facility. So with that, let's turn to our results and the outlook for 2021. 2020 was an unusual and challenging year in many ways, but the aviation business managed to finish strong and with significant momentum, delivering 44 aircraft in the final quarter. With business aircraft revenues of $5.6 billion for the year, Bombardier is the only business aviation OEM to post growth for the full year, with revenues up 3% year-over-year, driven by the global 7,500. Looking ahead, we are remaining conservative with our forecasts and expect modest revenue growth for 2021. Priority will be given to building backlogs before increasing production rates as part of our goal to drive more predictability and better pricing while reducing whitetail exposure. Consistent with these goals, we start 2021 with fewer open positions than a year ago and with early market activity pointing to improved order flow. Potential upside to our 2021 plan comes from the services business, 
which could benefit from an early and sustained recovery in customer flight hours that are now hovering above 80% of pre-pandemic levels. From an earnings point of view, 2020 margins were clearly suboptimal, with adjusted EBITDA down to 3.1% and negative adjusted EBIT. While we expected earnings dilution from the ramp-up of the Global 7500, this was definitely compounded by the effects of the pandemic. To offset the pandemic impact, early measures were taken mid-year to right-size direct labor to match our reduced production rates. But we also needed to revisit our entire operations and our manufacturing footprint to drive efficiency and productivity. The actions Eric described earlier put us on a path to targeted cash savings of approximately $400 million by 2023. For 2021, we expect approximately $100 million in contribution to EBITDA from these initiatives, while we also expect to spend approximately $50 million in restructuring charges. As we start capitalizing on these savings and move down the Global 7500 learning curve, we are guiding to adjusted EBITDA of greater than $500 million for 2021 and amortization stable at approximately $400 million. The cost improvement expected on the Global 7500 is the most meaningful earnings growth driver for the next two years and should contribute to gradual margin expansion as we progress through 2021. This quarter, we are entering a steep portion of the learning curve as we move past the 50th production aircraft. As we do, margins should gradually improve through the year. Let's move on to free cash flow. 2020 was a very challenging year with cash usage from continuing operations, which excludes BP, of approximately $1.9 billion. This usage was largely driven by the impact of the pandemic on the order flow, particularly in the second and third quarters, and on inventory as we reset our production rates. It also included the full burden of interest cost on close to $10 billion of debt. Fourth quarter free cash flow generation from continuing operations before interest and taxes was strong, reaching $523 million, better than expected, despite repaying $160 million to support the wind-down of aviation's reverse factoring facility. We are encouraged by this performance, led by record global 7,500 deliveries. We now enter 2021 as a different, less complex, and more focused organization. And with our cost optimization program, stabilized production rates, significantly improving order environment, and reducing interest costs, we expect free cash flow usage from continuing operations of approximately 300 million for 2021 before one-time cash outflows, which I will describe shortly. Our 2021 free cash flow plan includes working capital investments on the global 7,500 and factor stable capex year over year at around 200 million net of divestitures. Our CapEx plan for 2021 includes starting the construction of a new production facility in Toronto for the Global Line. And you'll recall that in 2018, Bombardier sold the Downsview complex where green global aircraft are manufactured. This required that we exit the building by 2023. We plan to invest close to $150 million in 21 in a new state-of-the-art building at Pearson Airport and expect to mostly fund this initial investment through proceeds from other building sales. Now, as I mentioned a minute ago, we do have some one-time cash outflows in 21 that will reduce total cash usage to 500 million or better. We estimate 200 million in non-recurring outflows, which are largely tied to legacy issues. They include the remaining balance of the reverse factoring program that is being wound down, some RVG liabilities, and finally, the restructuring costs I mentioned earlier. While free cash flow usage in 21 is a meaningful improvement over 20, we still have work to do as we look to reduce leverage <coughs> to more sustainable levels. This is clearly a priority for us, and we'll share more about our path to positive cash flow at our upcoming investor day. Looking at the current quarter, where cash, cash usage is typically highest during the year, we expect it to improve against the 760 million usage for the same quarter last year for continuing operations. 
This quarter's free cash flow still includes most of the interest costs on $10 billion of debt and approximately $80 million out of this year's $200 million one-time items I mentioned earlier. So in conclusion, despite a difficult 2020 and some continued uncertainty going into 2021, we are moving aggressively to restore margins and build the foundation to generate sustainable free cash flow in the future. As Eric mentioned earlier, we will remain squarely focused on addressing our capital structure through debt reduction, growing our services business, and building a culture focused on operational excellence. I look forward to talking with you at our investor day on March 4th and sharing more about our plan for the next five years. And with that, I'll conclude my remarks and we'll turn it back over to Patrick. Patrick. Thank you. So we'll now open up for questions. I would ask you to keep these at a strategic level <clears throat> and the, the IR team will be available throughout the day for any modeling questions. So with that operator, we'll uh, open it up for questions. Thank you. If you have a question, please press star one on your touchtone telephone. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift your handset and then press star one. Should you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound sign. To allocate time for all participants, please lim limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Our first question is from Benoit Poirier from Desjardins Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, good morning, Eric. Good morning, Bart. Um, first question, oh, Bart, I understand. Good morning. Yeah. In terms of EBITDA longer term, how should we be thinking? You, you just mentioned some color about 2021, but with the potential to uh, for further cost saving by 2023, should be add up, adding up the uh, $400 million on top of $500 million. Is it kind of the, the way uh, investors should look at the uh, potential EBITDA generation uh, longer term? So I, I think, uh, by the way, your, your question is, is a very important one. Uh, you know, the way we foresee EBITDA right now, as we are guiding this year, we're seeing uh, uh, greater than $500 million for this year. Uh, I think it's also important to recognize that the uh, cost-saving program that we are talking about today, uh, you know, will bring us $400 million in 2023. Uh, Part of the 500 this year, there's uh, only a, a portion of it, which is about 100, but there's also charges, you know, that this year will happen that will not be recurring. So uh, from the, the program, the net impact this year is around 50. Uh, so, uh, so, of course, the, the, the program will have its full, uh, you know, impact in 2023. On top of it, as you know, uh, we are uh, we've delivered already 50 airplanes, uh, close to 50 airplanes right now on the 7500. So the learning curve is 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 getting behind us. Uh, the the program uh, learning curve is doing uh, exactly that it, it is supposed to behave. So it's going down. Airplane will uh, will become more and more profitable moving forward. So that's going to be another significant uh, bucket of uh, EBITDA contribution. Uh, and there is also uh, the fact that we are growing our service business. So uh, our service business, uh, you know, we're looking for a, a different revenue mix in the future, you know, where we have a bigger contribution from services and uh, clearly also some, uh, some EBITDA, again, will come from that, uh, from that uh, business unit. That's perfect. That's great, caller. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Thank you. The following question is from David Strauss from Barclays. Please go ahead. Thanks. Uh, good morning. Good morning, David. <clears throat> so, wanted to ask. Uh, obviously, you have uh, you know some one-time items in, in free cash flow in uh, in 2021. Um, but how, how should we think about the? longer-term potential for the business to convert EBITDA 
to free cash flow. Is it, do you think this can be more than a 20, 30% conversion business on, on EBITDA uh, longer term? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, David, and uh, good morning. Here. Um, I think as, as Eric was describing uh, with, the, um, on, uh, with the actions that are going to drive EBIT, you're going to see, obviously, free cash flow uh, move along uh, forward with, uh, with the growth in EBIT as well. Um, one of the other factors uh, to, to obviously point out is that uh, as we deploy our cash to pay down debt, uh, that's going to uh, reduce interest costs and drive uh, free cash flow as well. Um, the progress on the learning curve, uh, as Eric mentioned, is, is, is going to drive both EBIT and free cash flow, and we're going to continue to work on optimizing our cash structure. As, as Eric was talking about, there's only $100 million of the $400 million, uh, benefit that we expect by 2023 that will come into, uh, that will hit our numbers in 2021. And uh, we will continue to obviously watch our capex very carefully, and keep it uh, keep it relatively low as we benefit from having uh, an aircraft fleet uh, that is fully developed and well positioned without having to uh, build new programs. Uh, I will have a bit more to say on that uh, on your point on Investor Day around conversion, but uh, hopefully that helps give you some color. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, David. Thank you. A following question is from Cameron Dirksen from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good morning. Um, maybe just first a, uh, a clarification just on the, the $400 million in annualized uh, cost savings. Are, are you including in that number uh, the benefit from moving down the learning curve on the Global 7500, or is that is the learning curve impact over and above the $400 million? Uh, in the four million, Cameron. So good morning. First of all, uh, the the learning curve is not included. So uh, the four hundred million is really cost saving uh, on on different other fields, but it's not including the learning curve, uh, which is going to be over and above that four hundred million. Okay, perfect. And and my my I guess my main question here was just around the services business. I mean, Bombardier's made I think a fair uh, amount of investment in expanding uh, your service network. What, what further investment is required? I mean, is, is there any significant capital that you need to uh, invest over the next few years to grow that services business? No. Um, in, in a nutshell, we pretty much announce everywhere where we're building right now. You know, we are uh, growing our facility in Singapore. We are already in the middle of, of uh, finishing the, uh, the extension in, uh, in Beacon Hill. Uh, we already announced Australia. So, yes, there is. It's part of our capital envelope that we have, uh, you know, uh, mentioned. So uh, it's actually we're not planning any major investment. So, so clearly those will be the investment that will allow us to capture more market, uh, especially in those regions, and, uh, of course, grow our business uh, significantly. Okay, that's great. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Our following question is from Robert Spingarn from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Rob. Yeah, following on the prior questions, maybe a strategic like Patrick suggested, but a little bit longer term, how do you see a few years out the mix of revenues between uh, aircraft delivery and service, and what should a longer term – I'll be very direct here – what should a longer term EBITDA margin look like? So once, once you get through all these learning curves, all this cost savings – you know, is this a 10% EBITDA margin? Is it 12.5? What, what are we looking at down the road? So uh, I think Rob clearly on, on the investor day will give you a bit more color onto this. But uh, what I can say today is that, you know, we, we're guiding this year for 500 and more. And we're announcing that uh, we'll have a, an extra contribution by 2023 of 400. So some of it will start impacting 21. Some of it will be, there'll be a further impact in 22 and the full impact in 23. Uh, as, we, uh, as we deliver more and more airplane, and you saw we delivered 16 global 7,500 last quarter, our learning curve is going down very nicely, and there'll be a mm -hmm. bigger contribution of the margin there. So, so um, uh, I think, you know, with what just I'm saying, you know, you can do the math, and, and clearly, you know, we are focused right now on growing our EBITDA and having a nice cash flow generating coming from that business, you know, for, uh, year, year over year. So um, I guess, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, the, the management team here is very focused. Cash flow, of course, 
you know, a, a significant part of the improvement also will come from our debt reduction, as uh, Bart just mentioned. Uh, but uh, clearly, the uh, EBITDA right now and free cash flow is our main focus, and we need to make our uh, our uh, our number predictable, as we know, and that's what this management team is focused on right now. So yes, and I said that we're conservative for this year, uh, as there's still a bit of uncertainty, but uh, you know uh, we uh, we foresee the future being a, a lot more solid. Well, and I think we should also be anticipating that the top line, both in original equipment and in service, would be somewhat higher two or three years out when you're doing that $900 million in uh, plus in, in EBITDA. No, ab- ab- absolutely. The, uh, the service business will be a bigger piece of our business. And as you know, it's a more resilient business, so it's a business we, uh, we like. So, and, and I think it, it is represented right now in how we do allocate our capital. You know, we do capital allocation where we believe we can have the best return. And I think, you know, we foresee better return in services right now. And this is why we're investing in that business, you know, with, uh, with new site, uh, with uh, growing our site in Singapore, Miami, uh, Big and Ill, and also Australia. Okay. And then have you said of the 110 to 120 aircraft you're going to deliver this year in 21, what the mix is? No, uh, you know, for competitive reason, Rob, we don't disclose exactly the product mix, but, uh, you know, we feel pretty comfortable about our guidance between 110 and 120. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The following question is from Noah Poponak from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Noah. Good morning. So, um, in 2021, you know, even after significant debt pay down with the cash you have, the, the interest expense will still be higher than EBITDA. And so as we think through the forward in, um, you know, continuing to repair the balance sheet, you know, the challenge is you can't have positive free cash flow until the interest expense is less than the EBITDA, but you can't pay down the debt until you have positive free cash flow. So, you know, one, should do we need to think about a few years of cash flow that's slightly negative or only slightly positive until you can ramp the EBITDA? Uh, and or is there an opportunity to refinance what you have? It seems like you could have significant interest savings, but I'm not sure where you are with, um, you know, the cost to refinance. Yeah, hi, Noah. It's Bart. Uh, thank, you for the, thank you for the question. Um, and it's, it's a good question. I mean, the first thing I would say is that our goal is to perform and generate uh, free, to be cash flow positive at the lower volumes that we're seeing today. So when you think about the cost reduction uh, activities and the, uh, the $400 million of benefit that we see by 2023, and that's uh, the full $400 million in 2023, that's how we're describing it. That'll bring us a long way towards being free cash flow positive. So obviously, it's somewhere between this year and 2023 is when we start to see ourselves come into a free cash flow positive position. Uh, there's a few factors, other factors that are going to support this position. Obviously, we we plan to keep our capex relatively low and stable. Um, we're in and around that 200 million level right now. We we do expect 22 on a free cash flow basis to be better than 21. And as we start to generate more positive and free cash flow, we'll be in a position to pay down more of our debt and bring the interest expense down. Uh, we're working today on uh, our cash deployment plans and how we'll use that money to uh, reduce our debt and bring interest expense down. And, and we will be in a position to share more on that with you uh, at our investor day on the 4th of March. So hopefully that, that's helpful. That's helpful. Just one clarification in there for 2021 with, with the, you've mentioned um, not all of the proceeds are available and it sounds like that's at least all or partially related to shares from Alstom. How much of the proceeds are available to deploy in 2021? It'll be, uh, it'll be north of, uh, of 3 billion will be available. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, the shares themselves today are worth about $600 million. Those become available to us uh, in May, and uh, we'll be deploying that cash at that time. Um, there is a little, bit, uh, a little bit of the cash that uh, will be tied up for a period of time in, in, uh, in 21 as well, but we'll be working to, uh, to free that up and deploy into debt repayment as well. So it's, it'll be north of $3 billion, but 
again, a little more, uh, little more color probably on investor day for you. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. A following question is from Tim James from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Mr. James, your line is open. You may proceed with your question. Okay, thank you. Um, good morning. Um, I'm just wondering if you can talk about, um, you know, 2020 uh, business jet orders and, and maybe as you look forward into 2021, how you're pricing uh, aircraft and, and, I mean, it, with a view to what type of margin profile longer term, to the extent that you can kind of help us shape that um, sort of long-term thinking, uh, that would be helpful. Oh, um, I think it's interesting here. It's Eric. Uh, thanks for your question, Tim. The, clearly, the, uh, we had a solid sales activity in Q4. Uh, this was our best gross order activity in many years, probably in one quarter. Uh, our gross book-to-bill is, uh, is 143 versus 44. Uh, the global 7,500 deliveries accelerated uh, much faster than orders, of course, uh, and, and the backlog uh, also decreased as we were claiming, you know, 12 position back from one of our customers, which eventually, you know, will help us because we're going to be able to resell those airplanes at better price and, and obtain better margin on those airplanes. But clearly we saw also in Q4 with the level of activity, you know, the pricing uh, already starting to come back. So uh, this was very encouraging, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, we see that trend uh, continuing in this quarter. So I guess, uh, you know, uh, uh, as the, on the pandemic unfolds, as we said earlier, and, uh, you know, we feel uh, positive. I think it's one of our objectives is, is to build backlog for us. I think it brings stability to our business. So we are very focused on this right now, making sure that we keep the rate at the right level to rebuild backlog uh, moving forward. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Following question is from Kai Von Rumer from Cohen. Please go ahead. <clears throat> yes, thank you very much. So um, two questions on BizJet. First, what does your revenue estimate assume for growth in service? You talk of the opportunity, but what, what have you assumed roughly for 2021? And secondly, on the 7,500, um, presumably it's going to start out the year being margin dilutive. At what point do you think it can become uh, break even with the, you know, margins equal to the rest of the portfolio and then better? Good morning, Kai. It's, uh, it's Bart here. I'll, I'll maybe address the, the second part of your question, and then I'll ask you to repeat the first part because I, I just missed part of it. But uh, for the 7500, we're, we're coming up on our, our 50th aircraft uh, right away. Uh, so we're, we're well along uh, the learning curve now. We, we do expect uh, the aircraft to be turning uh, profitable uh, this year as, as we work through the significant learning curve improvements. And, uh, and by 2023, we see the 7,500 reaching its, uh, its, its full potential. So we're going to be seeing benefit both this year and in 2022. Um, could you just touch on the first, your first? Uh, yes, the first part was on service. You, know, you mentioned all the opportunities, and clearly departures are coming back. So, so roughly what sort of a range should we look for service growth to be in this year? So uh, I, I guess, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, one of the earning driver uh, clearly will be, uh, you know, our growth in services uh, this year and next year. So last year, of course, we saw a bit of a slowdown because of the uh, flying hours. Uh, we are confident in the key driver of that business. Uh, we, uh, we are expecting that the aftermarket to grow in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in 2021 from from the bottom in 2020. Uh, so I guess, uh, you know, in, uh, in a nutshell, we see more flying hours, you know, which were very low last year, so which is important for us. I can, I can tell you that our service center are already pretty much pretty busy right now, so which is a good thing uh, for us. You know, we're pretty much filled at capacity right now. So we, um, we, uh, we look at, the, at the, clearly 2020 was a bottom year and we see uh, uh, growth in 21 and, of course, uh, further growth in uh, 22 and 23. 
if I could follow up, when do you expect to get back to 2019 levels? It is still, uh, you know, a, a bit of an unpredictable right now. Uh, as, as the, you know, the market, and that's what we're saying. I think we're being prudent right now, and, and potentially some of you will say we're conservative, and, and um, that, that's how we want to look at the business right now. But uh, clearly, you know, we see good signs, but I think uh, it's a little early to declare victory on uh, the full market coming back. But, of course, as the vaccine, you know, is, is kicking in, border are reopening, international flight will, will happen. Today, you know, when you look at business jet, we got about 87%. At year-end, we were back to about 87 89% of the flight that we had pre-COVID, if you compare the same period, which was very encouraging because, you know, there's pretty much very little low international flight. So I guess, uh, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we feel that this is uh, recovering slowly but nicely, and this, of course, will have an impact, you know, as airplanes are flying on our uh, service business, uh, which is already starting to see uh, some positive signs. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kai. Thank you. A following question is from Sadi Shamu from BMO. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Um, uh, a question on the services business. Uh, when, you, when you kind of think about the active fleet that you have out there and uh, how much you're doing in the, on that active fleet and the size of the opportunity. Obviously, you've made a lot of investment in the last two, three years to um, kind of expand the service network and grab a bigger share. Like, what this $1 billion service business look like five years out? Can it be 1.5? Like, I'm just trying to understand the size of the opportunity that you're going after in the services. So uh, I think, Fadi, this is a good question. And, of course, we've been uh, putting a lot of uh, thinking through this right now. But, you know, when you look at our fleet today, we have about 4,800, 4, almost 5,000 airplanes flying out there. We, uh, we're not touching all of those airplanes ourselves, and, and we foresee a huge potential there, and that's why we're building the capacity. You know, we've improved our service. We, uh, we want to make sure that we have the most competitive pricing and turnaround time in the industry, which will attract business. So in terms of growing our market share there, uh, there there's, there's, a, there's clearly a, a nice potential for us to do that. Uh, you know, we, uh, we have the, the, our, our fly-by-the-hour program called Smart Parts, which is also very popular uh, and, of course, uh, offers us some, uh, some, some also good potential. We have also contract with some of the fleet operator, uh, which are major, and the, uh, the fleet operator contract are growing right now in terms of number of airplanes. And of course, as airplane aging, they need more maintenance. So uh, we do clearly uh, see a, a nice uh, upside potential there over the next uh, five years. So part of our strat plan, as I said, and we'll share more with you on March 4th, we, uh, we wanna, we're targeting a much bigger portion of our revenue to come from services. And um, as, in, as I mentioned earlier, this is a more resilient business. This is a, a, a business that, you know, uh, the uh, ROCE uh, is, 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 much, is, is, is pretty solid. So we like that business and we wanna grow it over the next, uh, over the next five years. Okay, that's helpful. Just a couple of uh, quick follow-ups. Like if you can share with us what kind of uh, book to sell are you assuming in the cash flow guidance for 2021 and uh, and um, you know this question came up a lot uh, during this hour but what like if you can also share with us like what maybe even a range of what the global 7500 dilution effect on that uh, 2021 guidance looks like so we can understand kind of about the long term potential here as you mature this um, this aircraft uh, production line so uh we're, we're targeting a book to bill uh, this year slightly higher than one uh as things stabilize so uh i think uh, for the 7500 it's a bit lower than one we have a bit of a reshuffle of our backlog right now you know one of the the, the challenges and and i think we're, we're making good progress there is we had long lead time right now for a customer that knock on our door right now you know there was not much availability in the next two years there was actually pretty much no availability on the 7500 
and 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 on the other platform, you know, we had uh, you know uh, availability right away. So what we've been able to achieve in the last quarter, and that we uh, we are continuing to progress, is of course we are reducing to. Uh, 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 you know, the, the backlog on the 7,500, which is a good position to be in. You know, you want to be in an 18 to 24 months, which would be a normal window, which was higher than that before. And also you want to have more backlog on the other platform. So there's a bit of a, a shift in the backlog right now mix for us, which is good, which will give us opportunity on the 7,500, but will also, uh, you know, be a more uh, bring predictability for our business, you know, having more backlog on the other platform. So that's how we're, we're looking into that. And, uh, you know, we accelerated our delivery, of course, on the 7,500. And, 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 of course, as we reduce the backlog, we'll be able to pick up more orders. So overall, an overall book to bill uh, higher than one, but, uh, of course, lower than one on the 7,500 for this year. I hope it's helpful, Fadi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A following question is from Seth Seifman from J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Oh, hey, thanks very much, and uh, good morning. Um, I guess just uh, r real quick on the WEIR, I, I mean, um, it, people have been asking uh, for, for years about uh, sh shutting down the production of, of the new jets, and, you know, I, I assume there was a reason why that didn't happen, and then, you know, kind of made the decision to, to go ahead um, now, so I guess what had been the advantage of of maintaining that production, and then what why is it sort of no longer um, you know necessary to have whatever that advantage was? So uh, I think you know one of the main reasons right now is I want to make sure the organization is very focused, and I think uh, you know we have elected to compete and 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 be a, a strong competitor on the challenger and the global platform so we'll bring focus this is where you know it's a question at some point when i say focus where do I allocate your capital what is your capital allocation strategy uh, and and i think we uh, we believe right now that you know we have amazing product on the learjet but you know the uh, the uh, the product have a lot of competition this is not the market segment that brings you know uh profitability right now we are uh, basically saying let's focus on where we are, uh, you know, having a leading a leading product, and and where basically you know we believe that the uh, the uh, the margin will be uh, will be better moving forward. So, you know, and and again, I think it's important. You know, we're not abandoning uh, you know the, the the our customer support here. We will continue to maintain the the the, the thousands of airplanes flying at Learjet. Uh, actually, this morning, as I mentioned earlier, we're launching the uh, the Learjet Racer program to uh, to improve uh, our uh, you know to give an opportunity to our customer to improve the Learjet 40 and 45. Uh, but clearly, that that was the bulk of the decision focus, and and of course, looking at the potential of that business moving forward, the uh, competitive land field, uh, uh, we we decided to uh, make that difficult decision but to focus on the two products that brings most of the profitability. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. Our following question is from Konark Gupta from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Thanks, and good morning, everyone, uh, and welcome, Bart. Um, so perhaps uh, a question for you, Bart, uh, here. Um, what's, uh, what's a minimum cash balance uh, for the business you think is right uh, going forward, and can you suggest uh, any uh, cash transactions that you anticipate this year outside of free cash flow, which you guided, and the $1.9 billion debt that's due? I mean, like, any, is there anything pending from the recent sales or any other kind of cash payments that we have not uh, kind of heard about on this call? Yeah, thank you, Conark, and, and, uh, and good morning. Thank you for the welcome. Uh, we're right now in the middle of working on uh, what we believe to be the optimal amount of uh, cash to hold on balance sheet. Um, we are uh, monitoring the market recovery, obviously, as Eric said, we're, we're planning on a, on a conservative basis and to be prudent and, and not planning for uh, much growth this year in terms of uh, overall aircraft sales. So. Uh, we do need to, to obviously keep cash on the uh, on the balance sheet to absorb our intra-quarter fluctuations. We we think that is likely in the billion five to two billion range. 
but we'll be able to provide a little more color on that uh, on our investor day as well. We do expect, though, that uh, uh, that over time that that number will go down as we move to become more free cash flow positive, and uh, we have additional cash to uh, to deploy into uh, into debt repayments. In terms of uh, other sources of uh, of cash that you mentioned, other asset sales or things that might come in, I did mention in my comments that uh, that we do have. Um, a couple of, uh, of, I'll call it property sales that we're looking at this year that should bring in the order of uh, somewhere north of $100 million. Okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely, that helps. Uh, and just a clarification, uh, on the, on the full-year delivery guidance, I was just wondering if, if you guys have assumed any last uh, Learjet deliveries there. I'm sorry, sorry. I, missed, uh, I missed the end of your question, Connor. What? Yes, sorry, for the full-year delivery guidance, uh, 110 to 120. Uh, I was uh, hoping if you can uh, suggest if there are any uh, Learjet uh, deliveries in that number. Yeah, there, there is Learjet in that number. So, um, uh, you know, we're uh, announcing today that we're going to be uh, stopping production by year-end. So we still have uh, work in, 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 uh, in, uh, in, uh, in our facility right now. We're going to complete those airplanes, sell them, and then uh, be strictly focused uh, starting next year on producing Challenger and Global. Perfect. Thanks for the color. Thank you. Thank you, Connor. Thank you. A following question is from Walter Spraglin from RBC. Please go ahead. Thank you very much. Good morning, Abik, and, uh, and uh, good morning, Bert. It's great to con reconnect with you here. Yeah, good morning, Walter. So my question really is, and I think, Eric, you touched on it, uh, where you, you, are, you hinted that you're kind of at capacity from a production standpoint for your uh, global 7500, but below capacity, uh, productive capacity for the rest of your portfolio. What, my question is, what level of demand do you need to see uh, for your global 7500 before you start to look at investing in instead of you know pushing them out further and further the, the, that those orders uh, a, a, and you look at either converting some of your existing capacity or building new capacity in, in, into um, into uh, 7500 production and, and and if you could ballpark us what type of capital expenditure you would require to get what level of additional capacity? I'm under the assumption here that you're at about 40 aircraft per year, but correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, uh, that's, a, that's about right. Uh, so, of course, uh, you know, Walter, I mentioned we have a multi-year backlog still ahead of us, despite the fact that we took back about a dozen airplanes uh, last quarter. Uh, you know, we feel pretty good about the product. It is extremely well received, I would say, it is the uh, flagship of Bombardier, but it's also the flagship of the industry. Uh, we have close to 50 aircraft right now in service. The customer feedback is excellent. Actually, you know, the reliability performance right now is at par with the legacy global 6500 and 5500, which is amazing with the, with 50, after 50 airplane. Um, We've reached right now, our, you're right, uh, maturity of our production rate at 35 and 40 aircraft. So right now, you know, uh, we are focused on, on, of course, selling Challenger and other global platform because we have the capacity. We need to grow that backlog, which we started to do in Q4, and it, it is also having some momentum. So right now, uh, you know, we, uh, we have the, that production rate of 35 to 40 airplane on the 7500 we will continue to assess the market uh, you know over the next uh, the next coming year we are investing of course also in moving our facility uh, in Toronto right now to the Pearson Airport and which we're going to be uh, up and running over there uh, by the end of 2023 so that's uh, that's happening uh, but uh, clearly right now we are uh, gonna you know keep those level of activity 35 to 40 airplane and, and we'll see what happened with the market moving forward. Okay, that's great. I appreciate that, Eric. And uh, just to follow up on Challenger, it's been a while since a refresh there. As you mentioned, you want to get that, that, the, the production and sales of that up to the capacity that it has. Uh, would a refresh be in order here uh, to, to help uh, kickstart that? And what, again, what order of magnitude from a CapEx standpoint would you expect a, a Challenger refresh to be? 
You know, we're, we're seeing extremely good interest uh, for the Challenger 350 and 650 still. Uh, you know, last year, uh, you know, our 350, despite that it's competing with uh, four airplanes, three other airplanes and, and four airplanes in his, uh, in his zone, uh, you know, we, uh, we had like 57% of the market share. So, so our product continued to lead. And I think it's part of Bombardier's DNA and history that we are always looking at improving our product. It doesn't mean that you go from, a, you know, from a, always from a, a fresh start completely on a platform. But I think, you know, we've demonstrated the 650 is the best example. You know, that airplane was certified in 1978. And I'm, I'm telling you today, we've been refreshing the airplane to a 604, to a, 60, a 601, 604, 605, 650 today. And the airplane remains very competitive. You know, this is probably the best cabin in the industry out there in the uh, medium market segment and still be, very, being very attractive for a lot of our customers. Um, so, um, uh, you know, we're known uh, as a company also for the reliability and the performance of our product. So we will continue to in innovate, refresh our product uh, on these platforms. Uh, of course, in due course, we will make the necessary announcement. But today, uh, I can reassure you on one thing is that we always re refresh and innovate in those platforms. And, and, of course, the 350 and 650 and, uh, are part of that. We, uh, of course, just refresh. Uh, you know, our platform on the global, uh, even the global 5500 and uh, 6500 were awarded uh, being the best airplane that went into service last year. So we're very pleased with that. And those airplanes, uh, again, were, uh, were a testimony of, of Bombardier always refreshing its product in due course. Appreciate the time as always. Stay safe out there. Thanks, Walter. Thank you, Walter. Thanks. Operator, we'll take our uh, last question, please. Certainly. Thank you. Our last question is from Miles Walton from UBS. Please go ahead. Thanks, and good morning. Thanks for squeezing me on. Um, good morning. Maybe I could just go back to the, the cost savings initiatives, Eric. And, you know, you've spun out and uh, become a more pure play business aviation company. I imagine there's cost savings associated with that. You're doing restructuring. There's cost savings associated with that. I, I'm surprised pleasantly that it's only costing $50 million to achieve you know, sort of this trajectory should we anticipate that uh, you know there's a couple hundred million more to invest in 22 to, to achieve this 400 million goal, or is is this really this good a payoff to achieve that level of cost savings? No, we feel that uh, you know the uh, 50 million dollar charge is enough to achieve the 400. The uh, there is uh, some project that I would say are auto finance. Uh, as an example, we need to. Uh, reduce uh, the, the size of some of our factory. But in order to do that, we are selling a, a big portion of the land and, and the money that this will generate will help us basically uh, reducing the uh, footprint that we have. And, and you know, uh, that, that's just an example. But uh, overall, uh, you know, we feel that uh, with the 50 million, we'll be in a position to achieve the 400. Okay. And then just a, a modest one, but the fourth quarter EBITDA margins were obviously break even and you're targeting 10% for the full year for 21. You know, can you give us a little bit of color as to why we should feel confident in that, that level of ramp in the trajectory? I know you, you have the 7,500 learning curve, but maybe just give us a little bit more of a foundation there to get from break even to 10% as a annualized run rate. Yeah, there's a, uh... Hi, Miles. It's uh, it's Bart here. Um, there's a, there's a few factors at play uh, to be uh, to be sh to be sure. The, um, the the global learning curve, given that we're just passing our 50th aircraft now, is significant. So you shouldn't uh, shouldn't underestimate the benefit that that will bring. Uh, we're also looking forward to uh, some of uh, aftermarket recovery as the uh, the year progresses, and uh, we start to see more flying time uh, by the fleet uh, in the marketplace. Uh, we do have the uh, the cost savings uh, built in this year of about 100 million uh, from the 400 million uh, program. And so, when you start to look at those three factors, uh, there's a uh, there's a fairly significant ramp up in uh, in in, in mar EBIT margin for the year. And I think there is. Uh, we took some charges in Q4, which were significant, we did, yeah. and that will benefit us in the, in the future years. So uh, that's also uh, worth to mention. Uh, sorry, were those in the adjusted EBITDA or excluded already? 
included. Yeah. Included. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Good. So, um, a, uh, to, to all of you, so thank you again for uh, joining us this morning. Um, I guess if you have any additional question, uh, Patrick will be available for your calls, and I look forward to speaking with you, all of you, at the next month at our Investor Day on March 4th. So until then, please stay healthy and take care. Thank you. Thank you. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.